0: your host, Velma and Daphne. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 88 88. of Let's Get Haunted. And this is our second episode of Spooky Mm -hmm. Season. So we are continuing with the tradition of dressing up for every single episode this month. Yep. And if you don't know who Velma and Daphne are,
1: they are the two mystery
0: Bitcher outers.
1: From Scooby Doo. Yeah. Dooby Dooby
0: Doo. So Where are you? But we're here. To solve some some, some problems, crimes. pull back the mask, and tell you that it was Old Man Withers of the amusement park. Yeah, except this time we will not tell you that it was Old Man Withers. Oh, we won't. Well, Natalia no. knows what the episode is this week. I don't. That's no. how our show works.
1: I feel like Scooby-Doo was like always trying to not be paranormal. Like They would be like, oh, it's some crazy thing. And then at the end, they would be like, no, it was just this guy who wanted yeah. money. Yeah, you know? it always was. And we're the opposite of that. We're like, you might have thought it was a guy that, had, that wanted money, but that no. That's no, true. There was actually That's a curse. That's true.
0: Like with the injured cold episode we did right. last month. Mm-hmm. You may have thought it was a guy who wanted money. Yeah. But it turns out he didn't get any money. So what, what did he want? It?
1: What could what he, want? he want? What did he want? Who's to say?
0: Who's to say? Nobody knows for sure. But I would love to shout out our donors for this yeah. episode. Yeah. I'd like to give a big shout out to Sydney B, Laura W, Lauren D, Olivia M, Carly K, James H, and Amanda S. And as usual, I've got to give a big shout out to Amber O because she donated last episode and it is enough to fund some of the episodes this month. So this episode yeah. as well produced by Amber O. Thank you, Amber.
1: Yay. Amber O, you guys, we all need to make like a statuette shrine of Amber O. Yes. And like put it in our bathroom, like on like a nice, like, I don't know, like a silk make or something. Make an altar. Make an altar. You guys, pray to Amber <laughs> yeah. O for like a windfall of, of financial gain and, yeah. and good luck and fortune. That's right. You can do an Amber O amulet. I was about to say an
0: Amber Alert. <laughs> then... uh, no 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 okay well if you guys would like to become producers for future episodes like we said last episode i don't know make a Kofi donation if yeah. you guess the right amount you might you too might be a producer mm-hmm. in the future um i'd also like to thank lewis w and alana b or elena b uh uh-huh. for donating thank Yay! you guys thank you all very very much and I'm ready. You're ready? You I don't, don't have, have an any, intro. I don't have any personal hauntings. Let me think. Do you have any I feel any personal like
1: that's hauntings? a lie. I feel like every time you say you don't have anything, then I like hear like three episodes later that like actually, actually some there was fuck a, shit was going on. Yeah, down. but you like just didn't have the time like you were like, I can't do this right now. Yeah. Like I, I'm just living through my night. Honestly,
0: I can't I really can't think of anything at this moment in time. Right. But to your point I'm sure next episode I'll be like actually it turned out that last week I saw a werewolf and got eaten by a serpent and then regurgitated back out. And I was just traumatized. I needed time to process. Well I
1: have a weird haunting slash I don't know what is going on. So yesterday I was walking my dogs up Sunset Boulevard in LA and if you're not from here you probably heard of the street. It's a famous street. It's really busy. Um, However this was early in the morning. Uh, It was right when Enzo woke up so it's probably around like 6 37 in the morning walking with the dogs right and um, all of a sudden on the sidewalk next to a busy street I see a rabbit now this is not like a rabbit that is like lives in outside you know how there's like the rabbits that are brown with the white tails and they're like like jackrabbits yeah and they're like they have hot brains or something like if you get too close they like run away <laughs> yeah, yeah and they're, they're like, rabbits. scattered yeah they're yeah. rabbits they're like one track mind no this was you like saw a bunny a bunny like a domesticated someone's pet like this was a rex rabbit i know because i used to have rabbits um and this one was white with like brown honey spots on it it's like a very like stereotypical like pet rabbit okay? okay and he's doing the thing that pet rabbits do where they're like on their hind legs like with their like little paws on their noses like cleaning themselves mm-hmm. or preening or whatever they're doing and it's like super cute and they're like moving their like ear and stuff And I'm like, this is not something that lives in the wild does this, you know, especially not in front of two dogs and a person like little does this rabbit know that if I wasn't restraining my dogs, he would be like ripped to shreds in one second. Right.
0: Yes. You have a husky.
1: Yeah. Husky and like a Mexican street dog. I don't know what she is, but that's what she is. (laughs) Like she's that's what she is. I am looking at this rabbit and I tell Cody, my fiance, I'm like, we have to get this rabbit like it's someone's pet it's not going to survive out here it's going to run into the street clearly it doesn't know like anything about surviving because it right. like doesn't give a fuck about these dogs which are like just chomping at the bit trying to kill it and he's like no like Cody gets very triggered but by- when I like try to rescue animals because he's just like with the you know the possum and then there's like a baby bird and then there's just like all c- things all the time other things that I didn't even tell you guys about because there's no time <laughs> so um, he's like just leave that thing alone and like keeps walking up the street like a, a cold heartless monster and so I try to get the rabbit and I like put the dog like like tie the, the dog's leashes to something and I like start following the rabbit and then he goes like in the bushes and like gets to a place where I can't get him or not and I just spe- have been spending the last like 48 hours or just wh- thinking about the rabbit thinking about the rabbit mm-hmm. wondering like was I the thing that could have saved him and I didn't or like did he get away and just thinking about like humanity of man and like my place in the ecosystem Mm -hmm. And my place in this earth and like, am I like the hand of God? Do I need to like help this, this animal? And then like, am I responsible
0: for his death now because of the butterfly effect? Like what's happened? I mean, you don't know for a fact that he died. Somebody else could have seen him hopping along and caught him or he could actually be a wild rabbit that just is really fucking pretty for whatever reason. Maybe. Somewhere like king of the rabbit. Yeah, like somewhere down the lineage there was a domesticated rabbit that escaped and mated with a jackrabbit, and then like their lineage has lived on, and now there's just like this very beautiful wild rabbit.
1: And he's a rabbit king. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. he lives in an enchanted Choose to believe that. willow tree. That's, that's what I am choosing a, to believe. By right a now. pond somewhere. Yeah, with the Keebler elves. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: Okay. Wow. Wow, yeah. you guys.
1: That's exciting.
0: Okay, so now you, I don't feel yeah, so bad. you saw a magical rabbit, the yeah. king of the rabbits. Yeah, and I looked, it up.
1: I looked it up and it, I guess the rabbit is symbolic for good luck and like fertility and good fortune and abundance and all these things. So perhaps
0: something good is going to happen to Ooh. us. Well, we're working very hard behind the scenes, you guys, to bring you an even better 2022. We've got some irons in the fire and hopefully things come to fruition. I really don't have anything going on right now. I'm trying to think of anything I could possibly I went to brunch yesterday. That's not haunted. <gasps> what? I know. Continue <laughs> telling that story. I can't believe it. It was really hot and like you know when you're sitting in a booth and you just start to get swamp ass and like oh, there's no. like sweat rolling down your legs
1: how could you not say that's haunted that's like a swamp ass is that most haunted thing that, that could possibly
0: happen to you it's pretty haunted but it was against my will which i guess most hauntings are who wants a swamp ass? yeah comment most... if
1: you've ever been like please <laughs> lord give me swamp ass there's, today there's
0: someone out there whose fetish it is to see women with swamp ass i just know it there's somebody out there oh but... and they were having a good day yeah But I would actually so I went to brunch with two of my friends and one of my friends was like, anytime this happens to me, meaning like getting swamp ass, she's like, anytime I ever get like super fucking sweaty or disgusting, I just think to myself, what if I had a heart attack right now and then the ambulance comes and they have to like cut off my clothes and then now everybody knows that I just have like the most disgusting fucking swamp ass. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> honestly when i'm doing like really embarrassing things i stop because i'm thinking what if i just died in this moment yeah then like everyone like knew exactly yes. what i was doing yeah and a lot of times when i'm researching stuff for this podcast i'm like if someone finds me searching what i'm searching for online they're gonna be like what the fuck is wrong with this girl
0: i'm constantly praying that no one around me is murdered for multiple reasons but one of those Obviously. reasons is because if you went through my search history you would probably be like well it was her <laughs> because I'm searching like what is the ritual right. to like bring s- someone back to life or like you know trying to research something equally disturbing for an episode well
1: the episode that I have for you today is extremely haunted I, I'm actually Uh-oh. I want to give a shout out to this book <laughs> shout out the book strange stories amazing facts who a listener donated oh, or yes. gifted us That's right. Um, um awesome. but thank you so much because from this book I got this Great idea for this episode, and also got to read some stuff that wasn't online. Awesome. And I was like, What?
0: There was a story in there that you couldn't find online.
1: No, I found it online, but the story. But you
0: saw it first. Right. This book is by
1: Reader's Digest. And so it just has like a bunch of like the titular thing. Strange what? stories. Amazing facts. You guys, I'm trying to say a lot of words at once right now. And yes. I, and they're probably not. all. Well, it looks it.
0: like a very haunted book. It looks like a book you would see in a dusty abandoned library, perhaps down a trap door in a castle. Exactly. And then you would find that book.
1: It also looks like the kind of books that are like in the oldest part of the library that no one goes in. And this yes. is from 1975. So we know we can trust it. Right. <laughs> yes. That was
0: before books had inaccuracies printed right. in them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Got exactly. it. Got it. Okay, Allie. Yes. I have my green tea, by oh, the way. No. I'm ready to get oh, amped and no. pumped and out of control for you. I was actually just thinking about how amped you were
1: on green tea the last episode. I also think because we were wearing sunglasses and like suits, we were just like amped. I it, was on
0: another plane of yeah, existence. So exactly. I was, it was a vibe. Men in black. Yes.
1: Um, but today we're a lot more put together. This Barely barely about the story. This is probably one of my most put together stories, you guys. So hang on, buckle
0: up, get excited. Hold on, let me buckle up. Can Can I I get a hell yeah, brother? I'm tying my figurative robe around my waist. It needs a lot of ties. It's a big robe. Can I get a hell yeah, brother? Hell yeah, brother. I'm ready. All right. Let's go down this roller coaster. Today's story is a story
1: from two timelines of the past. What happened long ago and what happened many millennia before then, to understand what happened 100 years ago, we need to understand what happened 3,300 years before then. Hmm. Our story takes us to the year 1300 BC. Does that make you angry? <laughs> Natalia doesn't like old years. Yes, the old years made me very angry, but there's another element to it that made me very excited. Okay. You'll see. I'm ready.
0: Our story takes us
1: to the year 1300 BC in a land far, far away next to a famous river that's famous for its life-giving properties among the dead. Ooh. Allie, do you have any idea what we're going to talk about today? The river sticks. Oh, I
0: didn't even think about that. Is but it not that? No. The Nile. Yeah. Ah, there ah! you go. Wow. Fertile plains, the flood plains next yeah. to the River Nile. The crescent fertile, Did the any- fertile crescent yeah.
1: Mesopotamia. That's
0: right. Did anyone else play? There was this computer game back in the day where you were a cat mm-hmm. and I believe the name of the cat was Alley Cat and the theme song was like Alley Cat there's a lot to do. She's wondering about what math can do. Come what? on along. Did you it was play a math that? game? No, It was a math had... game that took place in Mesopotamia. You had cool math games. I had Mavis Beacon. Yeah, I had Mavis Beacon. That taught you how to type. That wasn't math. Oh.
1: It was to me. <laughs> it was to me, you guys.
0: If anybody knows what I'm talking about, please drop a comment. Because was this a fever dream that I just hallucinated in my yeah. youth? Or was it a real game? I think it was a real game, and you got to go to ancient Egypt and the floodplains happened, and then oh, you had wow. to like count how many crops there were and stuff. Oh wow. It was very cool. That's exciting. Are yeah. you good at math? I've never asked you that before. No, not really. Not particularly. Like, are you above a C? Oh yeah. I know. I don't think I ever got a C that's, in math. That's good at math. I'll no, I'll take that back. I got a C in calculus, and then I No, no, no. I was getting a C in calculus. I dropped out and took the incomplete, which I know is controversial, and then I retook it, but I, I had a friend that was really good at calculus, and so I had him tutor me, and then I oh, got a wow. B plus. See, I
1: never made it to calculus. My mom made me. My mom's so good at math. No, my mom couldn't make me. Actually, maybe that's why, because my parents weren't good at math. They were literally you like, you're never going to use this ever. Like, don't worry about it. Right. Where I feel like it's not fair, because I was the second child, so my parents are just like, oh, you're naturally just dumb? Like, just don't worry about it. <laughs> You're clearly not going to be like, you know, an archaeologist or a scientist or whatever. Like, who knows what the fuck you're going to do. So don't worry about that. Like, go back to like, you know, reading your fictional books and like playing like with your dolls. Well, look, we've
0: all got our strengths and weaknesses. And look at you now. You've got a fucking paranormal podcast where you use zero math skills, right? Yeah, that's true. I do use use zero math skills, except for when I'm typing. Mavis Beacon. (laughs) So
1: I'll give you a hint for Uh further what we're gonna talk about. okay, Combining magic, gold, death, and rebirth. Haunted treasure in the Nile River? Very close. So back to 1300 BC, the ancient Egyptians. Now, what do you know about the ancient Egyptians, Allie?
0: They were on some haunted shit because they were building these beautiful, uh, I don't even know what to call them, like temples is that what right. you would call it perhaps the pyramids is what uh-huh. i'm referring to they had like a very sophisticated society mm-hmm. yeah it was just like a whole fucking bustling metropolis a whole ass civilization yeah 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 <laughs> very uh impressive a whole swamp ass civilization That's i'm right, sure yes for sure they had swamp a hundred percent everyone living in the bc times had swamp ass i actually looked it up
1: once because i was so hot in my house in la that didn't have air conditioning and i was like how did the ancient egyptians like survive because it had to be so much hotter there than it is like in southern california and right they do what they would do is get sheets and get them all wet and oh. then like wring it out so they were like kind of damp and then hang
0: them up in the window hang
1: them up in the windows and then like sleep on wet that. sheets
0: yeah, but that's just a different kind of swamp ass. Right. Like I know. instead of a hot swamp ass, now you've got a cold swamp ass and possibly a yeast infection.
1: Yeah, or a ringworm
0: that's a possibility too
1: but they were probably like oh the gods have granted me this special so the ancient Egyptians obviously didn't have modern technology but they are famous for having all of this like really sick technology right like the pyramids advanced advanced civilization they had like aqueducts and all this stuff to like you know fucking keep their shit going I don't know I'm not gonna spend too much time on this the ancient Egyptians were like lit all right yeah now so they didn't have modern technology but they did have something that we don't have, you see the ancient Egyptians had magic, Ali are you saying we don't
0: have magic?
1: Not like the ancient Egyptians? Oh, okay, had. they
0: had a special magic
1: they had special magic, okay. the world that the ancient Egyptians lived in was imbued with magic. For the ancient Egyptians, magic was the underlying force of all life. in Egypt, there was no word for religion, but there was a word for magic. oh. Magic, or Hekka, is translated as a powerful energy, or perhaps as someone who has mastered that powerful energy. That's interesting, like a wizard. Like a wizard or a magician. And although magic had existed before the gods, it was magic itself that allowed the gods to perform their duties and create oh. this earth. Magic personified, or the being who mastered Hekka, magic, was a god as well. The god was named Hekka. And he was the god of this unseen magic. And he was also the god of medicine. Now, Hekka helped to create the world, and Hekka also helped to sustain it after its creation. And this is an allegory for magic itself. Magic created this world, and magic is the thing that keeps the world going and like gets all the moving parts, right? Okay. So in other words, everything is made from a source of energy that we cannot see. And this energy surrounds us and created us. And one who can master this energy is one who can know Hekka. So it's like the force. The force, yeah. yeah. It is very similar to the force. Hekka was also in his like personified form, drawn as a man in a royal dress wearing a regal curved beard of the gods and carried a staff entwined with two serpents. And here is a hieroglyph of Heka. You want to describe that?
0: Yeah. So you guys will be able to see it on your screen. Uh-huh. And if you go to the Instagram, which is at Let's Get Haunted, you'll be able to see it there as well. I am looking at a hieroglyph or drawing of a profile view Of a person, so they're kind of like their body is facing forward, but Mm -hmm. the head's to the side, like that, Uh and then um, they have two giant serpents, right, crossing over their chest. I'll show you some more pictures too. Um, Same thing, just different. Uh So now I'm looking at a statue of the same thing. And Another. you can kind of see, like,
1: how foreboding the statue is. Like, it's a very, like, powerful-looking yeah, thing. Yeah, it's
0: in the power stance in right. that statue. In the statue, you can see, like, one leg is slightly forward and the hand's on the leg. And it's like, hey, I'm about to fuck you up with some right. magic.
1: And it's interesting that this is, like, the god of medicine. And then also when when our symbol for medicine is the s- serpents wrapped around a staff. Yeah. So it's, like, this ancient symbol of medicine oh, I gotcha, is a yeah, man yeah. with two serpents. Mm-hmm. And then someone comment the connection i'm trying to make here um
0: so we'll drop a picture in of of what she's talking about i know what you're talking about yeah 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 Yeah, i didn't take the time
1: to like research if i don't know what it's called yeah yeah i know what you're talking about it's not haunted it's not important so (laughs) um but i was wrote here that it makes sense that the egyptians would group magic and medicine under the same magical force because as writer sabine leitner wrote magic is actually a science the science of cause and effect, not only on the physical level, but above all on the invisible level, the relationship between the inner and the outer. Heka consists of two parts, he and ka. He is the word for knot, and ka is what occultists call the astral body or double. It's an energy that is around everything. Now the knot symbolically links heaven and earth and can link the inner and the outer. In order to produce this knot within yourself, you have to bring about that harmony and balance between the inner and the outer. You have to be conscious both within yourself and outside yourself. You have to be on a threshold, looking at both the inside and the outside, and then you become the knot. And in that moment, because of the knot, the energy starts flowing. Now there's a link. Energies can go through where he is before they were separated. So when you're doing this magic, you become that link to this powerful world that that is all of the gods Uh and you are creating energy with that. And the reason I'm spending so much time talking about this magic in Egypt is so that we can understand the rest of the episode, because without this like little precursor, it's not going to be that tight. OK, OK, I'm ready. So magic to the Egyptians was really woven into the fabric of everyday life. It was not only a force of science. It was science. It was the explanation for cause and effect. For example, in order to understand how Egyptian magic worked, let's like try to think like Egyptians.
0: So, Ali, how do you think the sun works? Uh, Here's a picture of the sun for reference. <laughs> oh, that's what the sun is. OK, thank you for showing me that picture. It matches your outfit, actually. Very thank well. you. Um, what did you ask me what the sun is how does the sun work oh uh the world rotates and then the sun is also on its own rotational thing and then it goes all around us right and then why because of gravity why is there gravity the big bang why was the big bang uh because there were some Things that rubbed together too hard because they were fucking. You're doing great. And then they accidentally created a baby, which was the universe. Why were these things that were fucking there? Uh, Because God got bored. Why
1: did God get bored? Because he was all alone. Why was God all alone? Because uh, his wife left him. Now, you can keep going back back and forth, right? Further and further and further. And the Egyptians were just instead like because fucking magic, okay? Right, right. Like some shit we don't understand,
0: you know? Makes perfect sense to Good me. Good enough. And it does it does kind
1: of make sense. Like cuz now we know that the sun's core has hydrogen turning into helium which causes fusion and then that escapes into space as e- electromagnetic radiation and it's like light and s- solar heat and it warms the earth, but isn't that it's in itself just magic? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's fucking
0: yeah it's crazy yeah it's crazy that that all of the things align to create this universe yeah when it very easily could have not. Could, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like
1: how are all of these tiny little mechanisms somehow working together in this universe? It's like a miracle that we're here, right? Right, right. So Leitner continues, each ancient Egyptian was a magician in that he used Heka, which the gods gave to man to act upon reality. For example, the sculptor carving a statue saw neither commemoration nor aesthetics, but as a means of magically extending for eternity the existence of his model. Battle. Written words had heka as well, and because of that, owning books or scrolls and reading them gave you more heka. Mm. The carving or writing of hieroglyphs was also a form of heka, in that control of the written word confers power onto the thing described. Quote, To speak the name of the dead is to make them live again. It restoreth the name of life to he who hath vanished. So, it's really this creative unseen force. Like a huge part of Heka is to take that force and make things happen with it.
0: Okay. Okay. It does sound a little bit classist, though. Like if you the more books you own, the more magic you have, like the more you went to school and learned how to carve hieroglyphs, the more magic you have.
1: Right. Well, it could also be like, you know, the farmer who takes a seed and creates like, you know, more out of it could also have heka. But it's interesting that you say that because when I was researching this, I didn't know this before, but the ancient Egyptians believed that their society, they thought they were they were like classist and racist right so they believed that their society was like the god perfect society and that uh. the pharaoh was the closest thing to god and so therefore their civilization was doing right and all the other civilizations had like fucked up got bad karma or were just shitty and they weren't like close to god so therefore it was cool to just like make them slaves or whatever because they were like being punished for not being godly okay. and so they believed like oh my life is good because god like has granted me this goodness like i'm pharaoh i'm rich i can have a bunch of books i can be a sculptor whatever because god bestowed this to me because i'm worthy of it does That, that make sense yeah that makes sense so they really thought that they were like they were like vessels for God. And they also, this will help later in the episode, they thought that life after death was just an extension of daily life. Like when we think of heaven, the afterlife, we think of it as being like so much better than this world and like no suffering. And uh, depending what religion you are, like you'll get like have whatever you want in heaven or whatever. Right. Right. They didn't think that they were like, I was a farmer in this life. The next life, I'm a farmer, so I better bring my fucking cows to my grave because that would really suck if I woke up in the next life and I didn't have a cow. Like, what am I going to do? Right. You know? Yeah.
0: Have you ever heard of the Pharaoh's curse? Is that the one where he has a tomb and if you disturb the tomb, you get cursed?
1: Wow. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So
0: so the curse of the
1: pharaohs is like an umbrella term or an idea or like an an ideology, which basically states that there's a curse that's allegedly cast upon anyone who disturbs the mummy of any ancient Egyptian or especially a pharaoh. And the curse was intended to keep thieves out of the grave. So the, the ancient Egyptians, like I said, they really believed in magic. This was legit. So they would write on the tombs that like, if you disturb this, your family will suffer forever you won't make it to the afterlife and your whole life will be fucked up basically right as a way to keep grave robbers out of their tombs because like i said the ancient Egyptians really believed that their afterlife was just an extension of daily life, so they would bury with them in the tombs everything they needed for the afterlife. So they would in some cases even kill their like slaves and like kill people that they thought they wanted to take into the afterlife with them. So like them. a maid or
0: a nanny or yeah, a, or like or your favorite butler whore or whatever, whatever something, Yeah, you know. Yeah.
1: So they would kill those people and put them in the tomb with them. But Also, they put in like a bunch of food and like perishables and gold and just random shit. Now, grave robbers are who don't give a fuck about any of this stuff because they're like, I was born a grave robber. Fuck this system, right? Yeah, Yeah. They um are just like fuck that, and they would just go rob the tombs. And like there were huge monuments that were like, all the important shit is buried right here. Like a pyramid is literally like a giant arrow of like rob this shit, right? Yeah, yeah. So eventually they started putting curses on these to like deter people away, but the grave robbers didn't care. They're like the magic didn't work for me. Why do I care about this magic? That's
0: a great point. Yeah. I mean, if you if you feel like you're already at rock bottom, then what is a curse going to do? Like, how is a curse going right. to make your life worse?
1: Right. It's like, oh, it's going to make me ill and give me bad luck forever. Yeah. Like, Great. I've been living my whole life like this. Exactly. So who the fuck cares? Like, put it on my bill. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. So in the mid 20th century, there were tons of authors and like documentaries made that argued that the curse is real in the sense that a lot of these tombs, when they're opened after a long time, will have like mold in them or like backed spores, spores, and you could be exposing yourself to that, which in itself could make you ill and make you die, right? Totally. So the curse tales also, interestingly enough, have existed long before people translated hieroglyphs. So before we could even read, like, the curses in the tombs, everyone knew that the the mummies were bad luck. Like, if you disturb the tomb, you were going to be haunted. So there's, like, a case in the 16th century, before we translated the hieroglyphs, of someone disturbing a tomb, and they were, like, right writing about it and talking about the curse of the mummy without even knowing that there was legit
0: a curse written. Oh, that's in cool. The yeah. Isn't that? That is cool. I do feel like there is something about like disturbing someone's resting place that yeah. is just evil.
1: Right. And the curse doesn't differentiate between grave robbers or archaeologists or scientists oh, that's or, a good point. you know, it's just like someone's disturbing my tomb doesn't yeah. matter. And it's it's so weird too because we would think it was super fucked up for someone to like um exume a body that had only been buried for like 2 weeks, right? But then like somehow after a few thousand years it now becomes like just science. Like we're just seeing what yeah. they ate, <laughs> we're just seeing how they dressed. That is a good it's point. It's weird, yeah, right? That's I, a good point. I feel like it's because we put so much distance between ourselves like in time like we can't relate to them because they were lived such a long time ago and their life was so different than us that
0: we're like "Mm, who fucking cares like just put that shit in a in a museum and have everyone look at it right that's like when we um this would have been like 2019 where there was that story in the news that we briefly talked about in an intro where they dug up a mummy and then pushed air through his vocal cords to make him to make him yeah to make him talk and it was literally just one sound it was was like, like uh
1: uh Uh, Scientists were able to mimic Nessie Amun's voice by recreating his mouth and vocal cords with a 3D printer.
0: It allowed them to produce a single sound. And it's like, how undignified. Like, don't dig me up and push air through my vocal cords so that people think my only voice was. I know. Yeah. It's embarrassing. It's super embarrassing.
1: So I'm showing Allie a picture of the pyramids. As we beautiful, know, pyramids. Gorgeous. Yeah, they're big, beautiful. You want to describe those to our... I'm sure our blind listeners know
0: what they look like. They look like pyramids to me. <laughs> um, It's three extremely large triangles yeah. of of stone that right? have been hewn into a triangular shape. Yeah. And yeah. some little ones in front of it, and then there were some camels in the foreground. I know, I you guys. It's like a really big goal of mine to
1: ride on a camel through the desert wearing like this like white linen outfit. I've never done it, but
0: I'm putting that out there. All right, put it into the universe.
1: Okay, so as we know, the pharaohs built these huge. Um, Pyramids where they would bury a bunch of shit in the tombs, and they kept getting raved—not uh, raved, robbed. <laughs> they kept getting raved. Yeah, like a bunch of people kept going to them and like having <laughs> raves in there. Yeah, and, yeah. Diplo went in
0: there and threw a secret party, and that's what—that's what happened. Is people kept raving in the pharaoh's tomb, and then they got cursed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's rewrite the history books. R- rewrite the history. So eventually, the pharaohs were like, "Okay, I don't want to be um, buried in the, these pyramids. We need to start." hiding our shit because like i said if you got robbed if your grave got robbed your family for the rest of eternity was like his soul is like lost in the afterlife like how is he going to be a fisherman with no fishing equipment (laughs) what will he do he will be a beggar yeah like it sucks um, so then they figured out, like, actually let's put our graves somewhere super hidden and less conspicuous, and they start hiding tombs in this cliff side, which we now know as the Valley of the Kings. And here is a photo of that, if oh, you want to yeah. describe that.
0: Okay, so what I'm looking at is a sheer cliff, and just picture everything the color of sand. It's limestone, yes. yeah. It's like limestone. Sunlight. And then in front of this sheer cliff, you can see these like little mounds that have been um, like tunneled into almost in yeah. order to have an opening where you might construct a tomb. Perhaps? Exactly.
1: So when these are now excavated, so you can go there to the Valley of the Kings and go in these tombs. And if you've been there and you've seen this shit, comment below, because I saw pictures of it and it looks fucking tight. Never been to Egypt. I'd like to go. Um, and So, but it didn't look like that when they finished them. They would bury these. uh, They would like construct these tombs, which were just like a tunnel going down, and they carved it into the limestone into the cliffside, and then they'd like bury rubble over it and hide it so that no one would know. Oh, so make it look like it's not a tomb, right? And they had to make it so that no one would know where they were because they're trying to deter grave robbers. So, how do you think that they accomplished this? Because obviously, that takes a lot of manpower to build a tomb to like literally. Transport all of this goods and shit, put it inside, like, side of a thing that you, like, literally spent years carving out of the livestone. So, how do you think they did it? Sheer willpower. I wish. I really Magic?
0: Wish. Is that what you're about to tell me? It's a
1: sort of magic. Perhaps, you know, that begs the question did the Egyptians use magic to get slaves to do things?
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. So no one knows where they are because what the Egyptians would do is they would use foreign captives as workers to build the tombs and then they would kill the captives to make sure that no one learned about that place. Okay.
0: So like prisoners of war.
1: Yeah. Because like I said, the Egyptians really believed that God had given them all of this luck because they deserved it. And like if you were like a prisoner of war, like, or if you were at war with the Egyptians, obviously you were at war with
0: God, right? Okay. So like you're a fucked up person and deserve punishment. Like maybe it would be the equivalent of like, you represent the devil because I represent the righteous God. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So additionally, this is an important part um,
1: that you need to understand for the rest of our story. They specifically chose the Valley of the Kings because the land had always been barren. Nothing had ever grown there. Even today, nothing can grow there. So the the per- people who chose this area knew that civilization would never move here and uncover these tombs because there's no reason to. There's no water. Right. Nothing grows,
0: right? Yeah. Why would you ever just decide hey i'm gonna go over to that barren 200 degree weather like no (laughs) oasis to be seen right like you would go there and die pile of rocks yeah Yeah, exactly
1: wouldn't think about it so these tombs were already haunted by the slaves who were murdered to make them and additionally the area was too haunted to grow anything so i want you to remember specifically nothing can grow here okay say it with me nothing can grow here okay now story time okay i'm ready Fast forward to the year 1922. Allie, do you have any idea what was going on in 1922? The Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. And can you explain a little bit about what the Roaring Twenties were?
0: Uh, I believe it was a time where there was an economic boom mm-hmm. in the United States. And so people were wearing fun dresses, Flappers. And dancing around and, you know, drinking, drinking, um, cocaine, cocaine, having a grand old flag of a time. And right. then promiscuous sex. Right. And then the 30s was the Great Depression. Right. right. So it was like right, it was this economic boom right before everything went to shit. So everyone yeah. was like really pumped on life.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like lots of consumerism happening. Um, just, just everyone's having a really, really good time Yeah. now that is the world that we're living in. So what do people do when they're having a really good time? They get optimistic and they're like, you know what? I'm going to go find some ancient Egyptian shit because right. I feel like luck is on my side. And that's exactly what they did. So Howard Carter was this Englishman and an archeologist and
0: an Egyptologist. And here's a photo of him. Looks like a very serious Oh, old-timey. Um, He's actually, he's not very old. He looks middle-aged in this uh-huh. photo. But when I, so when I say old, I don't mean that he's old. I mean that the photo, like his it's clothing. Black and white. Yeah, very 1920s. Little bow tie, little right. hat. Yeah. Like, holding a book, looking off to the side. Like, I'm about to explore some shit. Right. It's all very much
1: reminds me of Indiana Jones. Yeah. And after I did this episode, I started thinking like, was Indiana Jones like based on this time? Because you know how Indiana Jones like takes place in the past, even though there's like crazy shit shit from the future that happens uh-huh i i feel have you seen indiana jones
0: yeah i mean indiana jones he definitely goes into the pharaoh's tomb yeah and like tries to take some stuff and then there's like blow darts and yeah and curses. he's like he's like dressed like this yeah um so Carter,
1: who his name is Howard Carter. So sometimes I'll call him Howard. Sometimes I'll call him Carter um, just to spice it up. You yeah. Guys. Yeah. Keep he it had spicy. been getting funding from this guy named Lord Carnarvon. Lord Carnarvon. And I don't know how to pronounce <gasps> his name. So I'm just going to call him Lord. Yeah. OK. I'm on board with that. So he had been getting uh, funding from the Lord, who is literally a movie character. Look at this guy. Describe this guy.
0: This looks like a dead man. This looks <laughs> like, like he's posed like a stuffed dead man. Um, I really don't know how to describe him. He look you know what he looks like? Um there will be blood Oh. like those types of outfits that the rich oil barons were wearing yeah. and like it looks like he should have a pocket watch he doesn't in this photo mm-hmm. but and he's like sitting in an armchair reading a, a large book right. and he's got a he's got like a western looking mustache and a hat cocked to the side mm-hmm. Um, definitely looks like a character
1: yeah so you kind of hit the nail on the head he looks like a rich oil baron yeah. because he was incredibly wealthy and here's another photo of him with his lady, where I feel like he really oh, looks. Oh, that lady
0: is so rich. Um yeah. she has like seven purses in her hands. <sighs> Um, she's wearing furs, a big giant floppy hat. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a giant um Frosty the Snowman hat, like stovepipe hat. Yeah, like an Abraham Lincoln yeah, hat. Yeah, totally. And he's got a fancy umbrella in his hand and mm-hmm. a pair of binoculars in the other. I feel like that is the metric for how wealthy you are. Right. Do you have a pocket watch? Right. <laughs> Do you have a large umbrella? Do you have a pair of binoculars? Guess what. You're a millionaire. Do you have a woman wearing fur and seven purses standing
1: next to you? Yeah, that yeah. also could be a good indicator. And they look just so happy, don't they? Oh, really?
0: I was thinking he hates her when I was looking at that. I was like she's definitely spending all of his money because he doesn't give her enough attention.
1: Oh, wow. Maybe you're seeing something that I don't. Uh, maybe I'm just wishing that I was that lady. Yeah. Cuz <laughs> cuz uh, she's about to she, well, you'll, we'll find out. You guys see. Okay. So These two guys, Howard and Lord, they become super good friends, doing the Lord's work, as one might say. It's for fun. Um, they're, they're just, Lord is like giving Howard all of this money and he's like, hey, go find some shit in Egypt. Like, this is cool. I want to invest in this. And during the 20s, this was kind of like a time when everyone was really into Egyptology. Mm-hmm. They were really invested th- in this. And you can even kind of see in some of the uh, fashion and architecture from the 20s, the Art Deco look, a lot of it has Egyptian like themes to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Art Deco is very like, elaborate, I don't know, and then they had like gold and snakes and leopards and things like that, like Egyptian motifs. So this was like fun for this lord. He's like, oh, you know, I'm like doing some venture capitalism in like Egyptology. OK. Um, so Carter is searching because he's an actual archaeologist. He's very academic about this. He's searching for any tombs that have been missed by previous expeditions. In particular, one of Pharaoh Tutankhamun.
0: Oh, that's a very big, well-known pharaoh.
1: Yeah, he is a very famous pharaoh. Do you know why? I don't we'll, t- we'll Wait, talk was about was he why. the
0: one who was no that was Ramsey mm-hmm. the one that was the boy and then the mom took over and then something happened could and-
1: be I, it, I didn't really care about what he did because it wasn't haunted okay so, someone tell me which one I'm thinking of but you'll but we'll. we'll we'll get into it so it's 1922 and they still haven't found Tutankhamun's tomb. And they've been looking for it for almost 25 years. So Lord is now not having fun anymore. Um he he says to him that you know we need to call this off and he says, "Quote, it has cost me a fortune, I can't afford it anymore." And then Carter's like, "Listen, I know that it's here." Uh, it's it written in the temple at Luxor, which they have already found. there's like writing on the wall that says King Tut's uh, tomb is nearby. plus no relics have shown up from it. so I know it hasn't been looted otherwise we would have relics from it, right right So I really feel like if we find this, we're gonna hit a gold mine. We're gonna go down in history forever as being super famous ha- for having found King Tut's tomb and we're gonna you know have financial windfall. It's gonna be amazing. So he also says there's only one place left that we haven't looked in the in the Valley of the Kings. And it's right next to one of the Ramses tombs. So he's like, I know that we're just going to find it. And he shows him a map even. And is like, look, here's the only spot that we haven't hit yet. Really convinces Lord uh, to do this. And then Lord's like, you know what? <laughs> OK, quote, I'm a gambler. I'll back you for one more toss. If it's a loss, then I'm through. So he's a lot writing
0: on this. This is like howard's whole career and passion, right? And their friendship. This. They were really yeah. good friends
1: too and he, you know. So around this time, the legend says that Carter buys a canary and he puts it in this gold cage. To cheer himself up because they've, you know, been having a Old
0: timey people are so funny. It's I feel like, like that
1: would make me sad to put a yes. bird in a cage. But like instead he's like, it's like so- songs of distress will bring me joy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um. So he he does that to cheer himself up. And then upon seeing the bird, one of Howard's servants was like, he says, quote, it's a bird of gold that will bring luck. This year we will find, God willing, a tomb full of gold. Now, wow! they get to the site and they start digging, expecting to uncover the tomb immediately because Howard has like really sold everyone. This is the last place I know it's going to be here, you know? And so they're expecting that they're like literally going to move a rock and they're going to find it. Well, they don't. For three days, they're just digging into the ground. Nothing's coming up, just rubble. And can you
0: imagine how disheartening that would be to literally just dig a hole for three days? Also, what a task to just go to like, a giant barren part of the desert and be like, I guess, dig here. I know, and they had, like, no tools Yeah, no to excavators. Yeah, exactly.
1: They just literally had to rudimentary be like, take the shovel, pick some dirt up, place it over here, oh my God. and then put the shovel back there until you go down far enough and hit something, maybe. So now Carter is thinking that he's finished. He's like, this is not good. I've spent all of the money. I promised this guy that we would, you know, do this thing and nothing's happening. But... On November 4th, 1922, their water boy accidentally stumbles across a stone that turns out to be the top of a flight of the steps that have been cut, carved into the bedrock. Jeez. Now, Carter is like oh my God, we've done it, right? So he has everyone stop what they're doing, come over to where this stone was kicked by this young water boy.
0: I hope they and gave that water boy some treasure as a prize.
1: Well, he's nameless on Wikipedia. So I feel like, you know, he just Bullshit. he lives on as a water
0: boy. Afterwards. But they actually made a movie about him. About the water boy? Yeah, water boy. With Adam Sandler? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad to know that he had a good life after this. So Carter had the
1: steps partially dug out until the top of a mud plastered doorway is found. And then he he sees that the doorway is stamped with indistinct oval seals with hieroglyphic writing. And here is a photo of that seal. Wow.
0: You want to describe that? Yeah. So I'm looking at double doors carved out of stone that have a bunch of hieroglyphs uh, carved into them. And then there is... Is a um, like a handle on mm-hmm. each of the doors, but they're tied together with this very intricate um, series of knots using rope. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. It's always so impressive. I love ancient civilizations from yeah. around the world. Love it. It's so interesting to me because I feel like we like to think we're the smart ones. I know. But then you find things from all around the world where right. you're like, wow, that rope didn't disintegrate. Right. How'd they do that? How'd they do that? Yeah. yeah my rope from Home Depot, like, turned to dust on the way home. Yes. Yes. You know? Yeah. I had a Christmas tree tied to the roof of my truck and then it just killed a man because yeah, exactly. the rope exactly (laughs) haunted yeah Yeah, the next episode is why the
1: spirit of christmas is haunted yes but it does it almost is like to me it looks fake because i'm so used to seeing like these like egyptian artifacts recreated in movies and like sets and things like that but now seeing like the legit thing i realize that they're not just like cheesy at
0: all that's literally what it all looked like so yeah super surreal
1: because
0: again how could something Buried that deep in the ground for that long, Looked not like that. afraid. I yeah, know. it looks immaculate
1: because it's so dry in the valley of the kings. Nothing or, grows there. Is it magic? Or is it Heka? Is it magic? Is it a curse? Exactly. Now, who's to say, Cart? Who's t- Who's to say not us who's to say so Carter orders the staircase then after they dug it all up to be refilled because he doesn't want anyone fucking with this they like think that they've stumbled upon this amazing thing right right so they like got to keep it a secret it's kind of like if you find gold and you're the lost Dutchman you have to hide it immediately and then die with your secret totally. So he orders the staircase to be refilled and then he sends a telegram to Lord and the telegram says, at last I have made wonderful discovery in valley, magnificent tomb with seals intact, recovered, same for your arrival. Congratulations. Now, do you know what that means?
0: Are, is he saying that we're going to wait till you get here to open it?
1: Yeah. So he like because he's sending, you know, a telegraph, he doesn't want anyone else to find out what it is that happened. Right. So he's kind of speaking sort of like in code. So he's basically saying we found this amazing discovery um, and the seals are intact and they're going to stay intact until you show up. Congratulations. So in uh, interesting enough, Back to this canary story, not knowing whose tomb they had found because they didn't it didn't say King Tut on it yet. They just know that they had found some sick tomb. The workers nicknamed it the Tomb of the Golden Bird because of the canary. So okay. they're they're saying the canary worked.
0: Remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our good luck charm that we um, encased in this cage, and now it can never fly away <laughs> and do bird things. It brought us luck through its suffering. <laughs> it's yes. So
1: fucked up. Okay. So Lord arrives from England two and a half weeks later with his lady on November twenty third. Oh wait, no, it's not his lady. It's his daughter. Hmm. Oh. Accompanied by his daughter, Lady Evelyn Herbert. Oh, gotcha. And here's a photo of them. They're standing in front of the tomb.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, this is all very Indiana Jones attire. I know. Um, She's wearing a large overcoat that, like, is so long, you can't see what she's wearing underneath. Um, And she has old-timey 1920s shoes on and a big hat, like, sun hat. But we would never wear a hat like that nowadays I it's know. like it's almost like a bowler hat but uh-huh. a ladies version of it with a little bit wider of a brim i'm sure somebody who went to school for fashion mm-hmm. design and merchandising will know and will leave a comment yeah, on this thank video thank you thank Tell you us. for your service
1: yes. it's funny cuz it's like in the movies they always paint the people who are investing in something like in jurassic park right like the guy that owns jurassic park is just so out of touch with reality he's just like right. oh dinosaurs and he like shows up with the the cane that has the amber with the mosquito in yeah. it and it's like literally just a play thing to them, but then all the rest of the characters are like the archaeologists are covered in shit and like putting their hands into like a literal shit and they're yeah. like wearing rags from Costco. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so it just looks like that to me. So the date is November 6th, 1922. It takes several more days for them to break through the door and clear the rock-filled passage. Two men stand in front of the second sealed door. They come upon a second sealed store. I feel like after the first sealed door, you're like, oh, I'm scared, you know? And then there comes a second sealed door and you're like, they really didn't want someone to open this. right? You like really didn't.
0: Well, I mean, again, it's someone's burial place. Like imagine if, if somebody from Egypt came to Hollywood Forever Cemetery and dug up Marilyn Monroe. Row. we'd all be like what the fuck are you doing you I'd know be what i interested mean interested to like show me pictures <sighs> yeah i Has mean i've I mean, not, not done that already no
1: because it's like, disrespectful i feel like there's a lot of disrespectful shit people. going on in the i know world. i'm not i don't want to do it but if someone does it oh I are, see oh, the are you asking
0: if there's ever been grave yeah. robbers in, in hollywood forever cemetery yeah. oh i'm sure yeah i'm sure yeah
1: yeah okay so Lord is peering over Carter's shoulder as Carter chips at the door until there's a hole large enough for Carter to shine a flashlight through. And then I'm going to read from this, this haunted book, Strange Stories, Amazing Facts. Quote, At first I could see nothing, the hot air from the chamber causing the flame to flicker. But as my eyes grew accustomed to the light, Details of the room slowly emerged from the mist. Strange animals, statues, and gold everywhere. The glint of gold. Now I see why you chose this story. (laughs) (laughs) For the moment, an eternity it must have seemed to others standing by, I was struck dumb with amazement. And when Lord Carnarvon. Unable to stand the suspense any longer, inquired anxiously, Can you see anything? It was all I could do to get out the words, Yes, wonderful things. What do you think
0: they found? Okay, here's what I'm going to guess. A sarcophagus. (gasps) Yes. With a mummy inside. Yes. It ends up being King Tut. Yes. And there's fucking jewels and gold galore.
1: Everything. They find the tomb of Tutankhamun. It contained over 5,000 perfectly preserved artifacts. You guys, these are literally 3,300 years old. And they're all perfectly preserved, including the pharaoh's intact mummy. And here's some photos. Yeah, like
0: chariot wheels. So Natalia's showing me a series of photos Mm -hmm. of artifacts piled up in a room. And yeah, there's chariot wheels. There's like looks like food maybe like Uh bags of food Uh there's i mean i can't even really there's like gold there's paintings it's very wagon wheels Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah
1: jar there's like hieroglyphs all over the wall paintings gorgeous the tomb yeah yeah very cool here is like a drawing
0: of the layout of the tomb it's actually a very large tomb Uh so it looks like one two three four different chambers yeah uh there's something called the annex the something chamber, I can't read from that far away, and the treasury.
1: Right. So basically, my point is, is that it's really large. There's like four rooms and all of the rooms have everything that was in there intact. Like you can see all the paintings undisturbed for 3,300 years. The discovery was so significant that it launched the modern era of Egyptology. And like I said, it inspired fashion designs of the 1920s with Egyptian motifs of snakes, Birds, lotus flowers, they're appearing on clothing designs and architecture, as well as mass-produced consumer goods, which were available to everyone. But little did they know, with the unsealing of the tomb came a price. Ooh. Many people at the original opening of the tomb died before their time under strange conditions following the discovery. Oh, God. Within 10 years of opening the tomb, nine of the archaeologists on Howard's team would be dead. That's terrifying. How did they die? Let me tell you how they died. Okay. So while they were working on the tomb, we're going to go back to the Canary story. Okay. While they were working at the tomb, Howard Carter sends a messenger to his house. The messenger goes into his house and he hears something, like a faint cry. He's not sure what it is. This is the day that the entrance to the tomb was laid bare he says that he saw a cobra enter the house pounce on the bird and swallow it he witnessed the canary being eaten by a cobra, which was the sign of the Egyptian monarchy. Oh, my God. The incident was so infamous that it was even reported on by the New York Times in December of 1922. There's a rumor that the cobra was released into Carter's home as a symbol of how the king strikes his enemies. And then that began local rumors that the curse had been released. So they're saying, we're not sure if this if this was released by someone in Egypt just into the home to be, like, this hey, is... stop fucking with our stuff. Right, exactly. Or if it just got in there some way. But either way, it's, like, an omen, right? Like, right. everyone knew of these, these like, pharaohs' curses. And they're kind of saying, like, don't fuck with this. Like, you're not even Egyptian. You're, like, some random top hat guy. Yeah. And, and like, Indiana Jones from, like, a whole other country. Yeah, yeah. And you're over here just, like, with your fucking, like, pocket watches and your, like, curly mustaches being, like, oh,
0: whatever will we find in this rock? Yeah, it also, maybe we already said this earlier, but it just struck me again. Yeah, like what is the difference between an archaeologist and a grave robber? Right. I know. I guess technically an archaeologist shouldn't be able to make money by selling the artifacts to private owners. But I'm sure that like back in the day, they did that all the time. Yeah. I think now I don't think you'd be able to do that. You'd have to like give them to a museum. Right. I don't don't know. know much to think about.
1: Much to think about. And also, like, you know, the person who stumbled upon the stone was this, like, water boy who literally doesn't even have and mention yeah but the archaeologist like kind of like took credit for this whole discovery even though like technically i guess it was him who was like look i found the steps going down into the yeah. tomb yeah you know it's kind of interesting like uh the first person i think it was lord hillary or some lord sigmund hillary or something i might be saying his name wrong the first guy to climb everest wasn't actually the first guy to climb everest like his um sherpa did it oh yeah that's right but but everyone remembers yeah yeah him yeah, him. yeah i mean his sherpa's famous too i can't think of his name right now but
0: they're To your point, it's like, we can't even think of his name. So how famous is he really? Uh, I know. Yeah. (sighs) Towards
1: the end of February 1923, the curse continues. A rift between Lord and Carter, probably caused by a disagreement on how to manage the supervising Egyptian authorities, halts the excavation. They are at each other's throats. So the Egyptians, once they find out, like, oh, you found this tomb, now obviously the government's involved and they're like, oh, like you ha- we need to oversee this, make sure nothing gets stolen, make sure you don't fuck anything up, like right. whatever. They're under high stress, Lord and Carter. They have like these like people telling them what to do, where up until now, the Egyptian authorities authorities were like oh yeah you're searching for something in the middle of that place where nothing ever grows and like right. no one ever finds anything like good luck we'll see you later
0: continue to give us a bunch of money bye you know oh so they had to pay the Egyptian authorities to even to be, be there actually. yeah oh then I actually I don't feel so bad about it then it seems like if the uh, powers that be in Egypt or the uh-huh. authorities in Egypt are on board with it then maybe it's not as unethical as I was thinking it was I was imagining just some random people showing up and like digging
1: no they had to get permission from the Egyptian authorities okay but
0: it's still sketch. Well, still, it's still disrespectful to disturb somebody's tomb regardless of the situation. Yeah.
1: So Lord and Carter kind of butting heads. And they used to be really, really good friends, right? So right. So I'm saying the curse has already started working its magic. Okay. Lord mysteriously gets bitten by a mosquito on his cheek. And then he's shaving one day, nicks the spot where the mosquito bit him, and he ends up getting blood poisoning. <sighs> And dying in Cairo on April 5th, 1923, only six weeks after the press started reporting on the mummy's curse. Legend also has it that when the Lord died, all of the lights in his house mysteriously burst. Terrifying. Even weirder, it's rumored that the mummy also had a mosquito bite on its cheek in the same spot that the Lord had. Ugh. How creepy is that? Super creepy. The next person who met the curses hand was sir bruce ingham now this is the part i can't figure out howard carter for some reason gives a paperweight to his friend ingham as a gift now it's not just a normal paperweight right this paperweight is a mummified hand wearing a bracelet that supposedly is inscribed with the phrase on a scarab that translates to cursed be he who moves my body to him shall come fire water and pestilence then ingham's house burned to the ground not long after receiving the gift when he tried to rebuild it it burned again and then he was hit with a flood
0: yeah it seems like you're asking for it at that point you know that's that's why i'm like is carter
1: like we'll come to you'll come to see that perhaps carter might have been sketch i don't know okay keep it in mind the next person was george j gold Gold was a wealthy American financier, and he was a railroad executive. And he had visited the tomb of Tutankhamun in 1923. Soon after, he fell sick. He never recovered. He died of pneumonia a few months later, directly after entering the tomb.
0: So, yeah, it sounds like he got dust and stuff in his lungs. And- Something.
1: Some sort of haunting.
0: Yeah. Some sort occurred. of curse.
1: The next person was Aubrey Herbert. Lord's half-brother, Aubrey, he was born with this degenerative eye condition. He became blind late in life. A doctor suggested that... I don't I don't understand this, but he's a doctor, so I won't argue with him. A 1920s doctor suggested that his rotten, infected teeth were somehow interfering with his vision. So he had every single tooth removed from his head in an effort to regain his sight. It didn't work, but then he died of sepsis as a result of the surgery just five months after the death of his supposedly cursed brother.
0: 1920s doctors did not give a fuck. No, they didn't. They're like, let's try removing all your teeth. It can't hurt
1: yeah yeah and then hugh evelyn white so evelyn white was a british archaeologist and she also visited tut's tomb and she helped excavate the site after seeing death sweep throughout all of the archaeologists and bad luck houses burning to the ground floods happening birds getting eaten all this stuff happened lights bursting exactly he ended up hanging himself in 1924 but Creepily enough, not before writing in his own blood, I have succumbed to a curse, which forces me to disappear.
0: OK, that one's the worst. That one's the creepiest. Because that you sounds could, like a curse. Because you could say, OK, like this guy got pneumonia because he breathes in dust right. or this person, you know, sucks that he got blood poisoning. Like, obviously, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But like, OK, you know, makes sense. But no, this guy wrote in his own blood. That he was succumbing to a curse and then hanged himself that is the most haunted out of all of the deaths i've heard so far
1: here's another really haunted one so this guy aaron ember he's an american egyptologist and he was friends with a lot of the people who were present when the tomb was opened including lord he died in 1926 when his house in baltimore burned to the ground less than an hour after he and his wife hosted a dinner party at this dinner party it's rumored that they were showing this manuscript you know what the manuscript was? What? The Egyptian Book of the Dead. His wife, once the fire happens, tells him to go back into the house and save the manuscript. Because yeah. it's like this ancient manuscript, why right? Did...
0: Sorry, I'm getting worked up because I'm like, why was this not in a museum somewhere? Like people just like went home with like mummified hands and like cursed objects and like a very ancient look at the dead i think
1: it's because they're like experts in the field and they didn't really have technology at the time so they didn't really know i think like the same stuff that we know about preservation and so you think like oh like if this expert is saying he needs to take it to his house and like you know put it underneath the light right. and like look at it with a magnifying glass sure
0: yeah okay
1: so he goes back into the house to get the manuscript and his wife is going to try to get their son but the whole family ends up dying in the fire including their maid now, Richard Bethel was Lord Lord secretary and he was the first person behind Carter to enter the tomb. He died in 1929 after he was found smothered in his room at a very elite London gentleman's club. Afterwards, the Nottingham Post said, quote, the suggestion that the Honorable Richard Bethel had come under the curse was raised last year when there was a series of mysterious fires at at his own home where some of the priceless finds from Tut's tomb were stored. How weird is that? King Tut just doesn't want anyone fucking with his shit. It seems like that, right? Sir Archibald Douglas Reed. He was a radiologist and all he did was x-ray King Tut before the mummy was given to the museum authorities. But he got sick the next day and died three days after x-raying the mummy. That's no longer a coincidence. James Henry Breasted didn't die until 1935 though his death did occur immediately after a trip to egypt so he was there when the tomb was opened and he leaves lives his life for a while but then he must have done something because the next time he leaves egypt the king tut was like you know i didn't have time for you before but yeah now I, I, have I forgot time. about you but yeah.
0: you came back and i just remembered who you are right you're about to fucking die now you're
1: probably wondering what about howard carter yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: What happened? to him? What about
1: him? He's got to be the most cursed one. Right. He never believed in the curse. And out of the 58 present people, when the sarcophagus was opened, eight of them died within 12 years. But he passed away at the age of 64 of lymphoma in 1939. And he was not one of those eight that originally died right after the tomb was opened. But his tombstone says, quote, may your spirit live. May you spend millions of years, you who loved Thebes, sitting with your face to the north wind, your eyes beholding happiness now i don't know about you but when you usually see like a tomb or something it's like father of uh father beloved husband son whatever right born this day died this day maybe there's like a cute thing like what a weird trip it's been or something (laughs) (laughs) that to me sounds like some weird fucking magic curse shit it
0: sounds like a reverse curse you know what i mean like he's thinking okay i don't I don't believe in the curse, but also in case it's real, let me like inscribe this thing on my tomb Mm -hmm. that ensures that I can pass on to this next to the next life.
1: And if he really was this Egyptologist who like knows all of this stuff about curses and things, maybe he knew some secret thing that we don't about how to not get the curse. Like maybe he knew, oh, you're supposed to say some special prayer before you enter or something or or you have to give a mummified hand to someone else.
0: Like in The Ring where you have to make someone else watch the videotape. Yeah. Like maybe he was like, "I." the more pieces I give away to people, the less the curse will affect me.
1: Right. So that's what he did. Who knows? Wow. Howard Carter slander happening on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of scientists from today have this theory that there's fungus that was growing inside the tomb. Scientists say that it could have been filled with this deadly fungus that had grown over the centuries and was released when the tomb was opened. But then they take air samples from inside an unopened sarcophagus through a drilled hole and they test the air quality and they do find high levels of ammonia, formaldehyde and hydrogen sulfide, which are potentially could kill you. However, all of those would have a really strong scent and people would have been repelled by the door. Like they would have been like, oh, there's something like rotting gross in there that we like don't need to open, you know? Yeah. And so the fact that they like no one mentioned that, like even when Carter was writing about this, all he says is like, oh, I see all this wonderful stuff inside he would have said like there was a strong stench and they didn't have like um face
0: masks back
1: then okay and also remember nothing grows in the valley of the kings that's the whole point of this right right and if there was some crazy fungus why was none of the rest of the stuff like affected by it like wouldn't the paint on things be eaten away by bacteria like, wouldn't Great point. any of this, like, you know, have happened? Like, literally the rope around the freaking door handles was intact. Yes. Great you know? point.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, we were just spent a lot of time talking about how intact it was. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Tutankhamen was only between eight and nine years of age when he became the pharaoh, and he died at 18. So he only ruled for 10 years. So why, do we ask, is he the most famous, according to me, who only knows about King Tut? <laughs> why do you think he's famous?
0: Uh, Because... Maybe he was romanticized after his tomb was found. Exactly. Because he died and he left a fuck ton of gold
1: and cool shit with him in his tomb, proving that humanity really is that dumb. Even (laughs) 3,000 years later, we all remember this man not because of what he did, but just because he has a bunch of shiny trinkets for us to look at.
0: Damn, we're all just uh, magpies, right? Aren't magpies the ones that try to find shiny objects? Yeah,
1: and raccoons. Yeah. And like my baby, he's like, I feel like if he could walk, he would like walk off a cliff if I showed him a mirror. He's like, look. (laughs)
0: Um, <laughs> we're all just baby magpie raccoons yeah that's exactly what we've discovered through this podcast
1: yeah you like he have shiny ball yeah. Yeah. me like <laughs> so king tut's tomb opening is the most famous of all the tombs that were found in the valley of the kings and there are over 60 tombs there but his is the most famous because it was totally intact or the rest of them had been like tampered with like a lot of them had been robbed broken his was like the most intact well first of all i want to you first of all let me say that again First of all, I want to hear about your thoughts on the curse of King Tut before we discover some other curses.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. I think there's two ways to go into a discussion about this story. The first way is by not believing in the curse. And mm-hmm. then you, if you go that route, then you could focus on like how fucked up it is to like right. disturb a grave and how it's like Egypt should be able to keep those artifacts yeah. and it, none of it should have gone to private buyers. None of it should have gone to someone's house. Okay. That's a completely separate discussion. And I feel like if I get bogged down in that, I'm not going to be focusing on what's haunted. And the right. name of our show is Let's Get Haunted. Yes. So I'm going to go down the path that believes that the curse is real. And I'm going to say it's kind of hard to not believe that the curse is real. Right. right. Because all of these people are just getting fucked up beyond belief right after they do this thing that they're not supposed to do. It's like every like red s- light siren yeah. stop sign is like telling them, hey, back away. Like, do not open this tomb. This right. tomb does not want to be opened. And they did it anyway. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to feel bad for anyone because it's like, well, you're reaping what you sow. Right. But I also understand, too, like it would be fucking sick to find a treasure trove. I know. Right. right? So like finding treasure
1: I, is tight. I just have a lot of emotions going on. Right I'm now. glad someone found it. And so I can look at the pictures and know about it. Yeah. I also think like how scientists are saying like, oh, the fungus and all this stuff. But literally nothing grows there.
0: Well, but doesn't isn't fungus something that like can grow anywhere? Isn't it like one of those things like cockroaches are resilient, fungi are resilient,
1: I'm sure we have a fungus expert. expert yeah, yeah. Go ahead and let us know. They're going to be like, be oh, yeah, I have athlete's foot. So like, let me tell you about that. Yeah, yeah, I do know that fungus is fucking weird and can do a lot of stuff. But I don't know. After three
0: thousand three hundred years. Look, it's it's pretty fucking wild that it's wild to just think of things not being disintegrated into dust by yeah. that period of time, just in general. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like I have things that I literally have bought from Amazon this year that I've disintegrated yeah,
0: into dust, yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, and also, I mean, 3,000 years ago, however long this 3, was. 3,300. years ago. Um, It's not like they had plastics. No. You know what I mean? Plastics, yeah. it's like, all right, you they didn't have Twinkies and they didn't have plastic right. bags. So if Twinkies and plastic bags were found in King Tut's tomb, I would be much less impressed because I'd be like, right. That's this is all perishable stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Also that one guy, like his house literally burned to the ground and then their flood
0: came. And And then he he rebuilt a house and it burned to the ground again. Yeah, no. That's at that point you've just got to reevaluate your whole life. And be like, what am I what did I do wrong? And can I correct it? Because this is getting way too haunted
1: I feel like the only way to know for sure is to dig up the archaeologist's bodies and test them and like look at them do like an autopsy and like figure right. out like how exactly it is that they died like was there spores in that man's lung who supposedly died of pneumonia you know right yeah so we need to do to them what they did to King Tut. The full circle. You're hearing it here
0: first. Someone fund us to go dig up those archaeologists' graves. Lord Ali and, and Lord Nat. Yeah. And we'll uh, x-ray their coffin. And <laughs> then we'll know. We'll know what happened. So King Tut is not the only
1: um Egyptian mummy to have a curse on him. I'm going to name for you now some of the other famous notable Egyptian curses. Okay. So have you heard of the tomb of Sinmut?
0: No. I don't believe so. Okay. Me neither. And let me tell you about it. Yeah, regale me.
1: (laughs) On the wall at the tomb of Sinma is an ancient curse that translates to, quote, his lifetime shall not exist on earth, end quote. Okay. So the tomb was for Queen Hatshepsut of Sinemet's royal advisor, who we know was a powerful man because he was allowed to build his tomb near the Queen Pharaoh's tomb, even though he wasn't royal blood. And they just didn't do that back then. You had to be uh, royal blood to be buried there. After the queen died, he was forgotten. And we know that he was forgotten because the tomb wasn't even completed. And the paintings and writings inside, however, do exist on this earth. And they include the ancient curse from which we read. So the curse was basically saying, saying his lifetime will not exist on this earth. And then he was forgotten and his tomb was forgotten.
0: Super weird. Also, now I'm thinking when I am buried, somebody just write the most cryptic, weird shit all on the inside of my coffin just in case in 3,000 years from now, people are excavating my tomb and they can be like, she must have been really important. She had this crazy curse on the inside of her coffin. Right. And then I can just fool them all. (laughs)
1: Interestingly enough, there's this giant like mural that was found on the ceiling of the tomb of Sinmut. And it's like an astrological thing. You want to describe that to people? It looks crazy.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, it looks like math is how I will describe it. It looks like um, there's charts. It's like there's columns Uh and then different hieroglyphs have been drawn into these columns. And then there's more columns going the opposite direction. And then underneath there's there's like You know when you take a protractor and you draw circles and then you make them smaller and smaller inside each other? That's what it looks like. It's like, it's
1: definitely math. So it's actually um, an astronaut, not astronomical, wait. It is. Yeah, it is. It's an astronomical ceiling painting, and it includes several constellations and planets that were seen by the ancient Egyptians at the time. Oh, cool. So it's not the same stuff that we see today because it was so long ago that the constellations have changed. And although Jupiter, Saturn, Mercury, and Venus are easily recognizable in this um, painting, there's one that is missing. Can you guess which one's missing? Oh,
0: my God. Wait, name the ones that you can see.
1: Jupiter, Saturn, Mercury, and Venus are easy to see. But there's one that usually you can see that you cannot see. It seems to be missing on the map. Pluto. It's Mars. Mars. And you know what's weird? Mars on this particular painting is represented as an empty boat in the West. Now, people theorize that this refers to the fact that Mars was retrograde at the time and was not with the other planets. And the reason for the boat being empty is perhaps that this backwards movement of Mars being retrograde, which was a well known phenomenon to the ancient Egyptians. So they put the symbol of this as it not being there, it being backwards. So basically Mars was in retrograde when this tomb was created. And it said on there, okay, his life is gonna be forgotten. It should not exist on Earth or whatever. And then like some some translation got messed up. I don't know. Maybe the scribe like wrote the wrong thing on there, or like some sort of communication got messed up, which is what happens when Mars is in retrograde. And then the fuck this shit. Oh my god, I don't even have to finish because you guys know. No, I already know. Wow. Yeah. Now, what about the tomb of Hermaru? No, never heard of it. The curse on the tomb of the high priest of Hermeru translates to, quote, I shall seize his neck like that of a goose. Can you possibly fathom what that might mean? Ring his neck? Exactly. Yeah. So
0: in an article for businessinsider.com... <sighs> Sorry, that gave me the i don't like that i don't like thinking about that i know
1: also like i hate how people hunt and they like kill the the bird like that like they just like swing their body around their neck and break it and i know they're like oh it's the most humane way to do it and i'm like how about not fucking kill the bird first <laughs> like what about that you know okay um don't get me on my high horse about hunting right i now. eat duck yeah but it, okay yeah, exactly don't get me i don't have time if you guys yeah. want me to go on a rant about hunting don't because i can't, don't I can't raise my blood pressure like this right now. All right, so this woman, Salima Ikram, who is an Egyptologist at the American University in Cairo, said of the curses, "quote They generally state that if the tomb is entered by an impure person." probably in the in their body or in their intention, then the council of the gods may punish the trespasser by wringing his neck like that of a goose. So it could mean that this person is impure inside. Like maybe it means they're ill. They're not like of godly, like whatever perfection, or that their intentions are ill. Okay. Either way, their shit's gonna get wrung like the neck of a goose. Ugh, gross. Now what about Ankhmar Mahor? Ankhmar. I don't know. The curse that was meant to protect Ankmar is roughly translated as... Anything a trespasser might do against the tomb will have the same effect to the trespasser's property. So if you rob my tomb, your house is going to get robbed. If you desecrate my grave, your body is going to get desecrated.
0: Yeah, makes total sense.
1: It also warns that the council that protects the pharaohs have knowledge of secret Heka, the magic, the spells. And it threatens that impure trespassers will see ghosts. They're saying, like, we're going to use magic to descend ghosts upon you if you open this. Like, you're going to piss off whoever's in this tomb, and we will haunt you as ghosts. I love that. However, interestingly enough, the same curse welcomes those who have pure and peaceful intention, and it says that the pharaoh will protect them in the court of Osiris, lord of the Egyptian underworld. Now, ancient Egyptians believe that Osiris judges dead souls before they pass on to the afterlife. So basically, this curse is saying... If you are of good intention, for whatever reason you're entering my tomb, maybe to give me more things, I don't know. Right. Then you're then I will like stand up for you when you're at this court of Osiris. And if Osiris is like, no, I think this person should have a shitty L- life After and the life. next life he'll stand up and be like actually no i'm gonna vouch for this person and i'm a pharaoh so he
0: left more food at- in my tomb yeah like he broke into my tomb just to leave me more shit now here's a photo
1: of bahira osiris o- oasis the bahira
0: you can you want to try to read that baharia oasis <laughs> is how i'm reading it but Beautiful. i could be wrong um wow it's gorgeous i know isn't that beautiful um i'm looking at a was this also carved into the side of something
1: yeah so this is a tomb that's been carved they like and a lot of these are like little crawl spaces which is very scary and claustrophobic to me <sighs> super scary um and, but Havens. they're like all painted with like these ancient hieroglyphs and that's how we know a lot about egyptian daily life and uh, the G- egyptian way uh is
0: because like a lot of these are telling stories about daily life. right it's always interesting to see how somebody views themselves uh-huh right like if i I were to draw myself you know I wouldn't draw my crow's feet you know what I mean so it's just always interesting to see like how what how do people view themselves
1: right yeah well on a good day I feel like on a bad day I would draw myself like shit and on a good day I would make it look like a Pixar character on a bad
0: day it would be like in every horror film ever where a child is just scribbling out the face (laughs) of the person yeah so
1: Baharia Oasis is um the, this tomb that an archaeologist went into, and he removed two child mummies from the Bahariya Oasis tomb. And after he removed these two uh, mummies, he said that he was haunted by nightmares, which featured children throughout the removal process. Because it's not like they just, like, take a mummy and pull it out of there yeah. they, they have to do like all the special stuff to conserve it and, and um, make sure that moving it isn't going to harm it and they want to protect it and they don't want this like perfectly preserved thing to just turn to dust so it takes like weeks to do this and throughout the whole process he was having nightmares where children were in this oh and he god. was removing children's mummies oh my god the dreams only stopped after the mummy of the father was placed with the mummies of the children at the museum that
0: makes total sense to me isn't yeah, that- like you don't want to separate two. Like, think of the kids would be so scared. I like, know. It, you know, it, they're separated from their father. So, if we think that, you know, the soul lives on after death and maybe yeah. it's part of that residual energy resided in those two small children's sarcophagi, then yeah, they would, st- that energy would be frightened being yeah. removed from the father. I know. And they're like, yeah,
1: bring us with our dad or we'll haunt your dreams.
0: Exactly. Now, what about Kam Abu Bilo? No, no, I've never heard of of that.
1: On his tomb, it said, quote, all the people who enter this tomb make evil against this tomb and destroy it. And may the crocodile be against them in water and snakes against them on land. May the hippopotamus be against them on water and the scorpion against them on land. Now, after reading that, the archaeologist who uncovered the tomb, his name was Zahi Hawass, he was cursed by the mummy. On the first anniversary of the excavation, his cousin died, and then his uncle on the second, and then his aunt on the third. Now, after the third time one of his family members died, he eventually just believes in shutting the tombs down from the public entirely and started vouching for that and then put the uh, stuff that he had removed and put into museums. He vouched for it to be put back into the tombs. He said it's not safe for people to enter the tomb so if you go to the valley of the kings right now you can enter all these tombs and look at it and take pictures and post it on your snapchat do whatever you want and he was saying actually no i think it's not safe for people to view this stuff in a museum but it's even worse to have them go in the tomb i
0: just feel like so even to this day, if you were to go to Valley of the Kings, you would become
1: cursed. According to this man who lost his cousin and then his aunt and then his uncle. All, and, and that's interesting, too. Maybe the curse knows like what will hurt you the most. Yeah. Like Maybe he like really loved these people so much that like to lose them would have been worse than something happening to him. Right. You know, have you heard of the Saqqara statue?
0: No, that's very pretty. But it's like it's a uh, against a dark background and it's a dark figurine that looks like its legs are pressed together. It's Mm -hmm. standing on a block. Its hands maybe appear to be in a prayer Uh form at its chest, but the head is what's confusing me. Right. Yeah, that doesn't
1: look like a human head. It looks- It's so it's wearing. I don't think I can zoom in this. So it's a person's head and they're wearing like a giant hat. Oh, a pharaoh hat. Yeah, okay. it's not. I don't know if it's a pharaoh hat, it, but it's just like a giant hat. OK, now this is fucking crazy. So workmen spent the day on March of 10th, 1971, clearing a tomb um, on the digging grounds of Saqqara. It was only 20 miles away from Cairo. The head of the dig is this guy named Walter Brian Emery, and he finds this tiny statue of the Egyptian god Osiris, and he carries it back with him to the village where there's a tiny house. He goes into the house and he leaves it with his assistant, who later reports that Emery went into the washroom and started moaning right after giving her the or them the statue. And then the assistant says that Emery just gets paralyzed standing there. He can't move. And he starts calling out for help like he's paralyzed in the washroom. And he's like, "Help!" he can't move. And then at the hospital, he's diagnosed as paralyzed on his right side. And then the next morning he dies. So he had a stroke. Could be. Or he had a curse. But but a curse can cause a a stroke. Yeah. Right. Now, what about, have you heard of this statue in Manchester that turns around on its own? No. This is fucking nuts. So in late 2013, literally not that long ago, maybe maybe for some of you children, you're like, that's before I was born. But to God, me, that's I hope not, not that long ago. Yeah. Um, in late 2013, the Manchester Museum was haunted with a 4,000-year-old Egyptian statue that rotates 180 degrees every three days on its own.
0: This- How?
1: The statue was in a glass case and untouched from everyone except from the curator who had to keep turning it back around after it would turn. What? Neb Senu is a 10 inch or 25 centimeter tall statuette made in about 1800 BC as a medium for the soul of an ancient Egyptian man. The museum's curator claims that the ancient Egyptians believed if the mummy was destroyed, then the statuette could be used as an alternative vessel for the mummy's spirit. Was his And was his mummy destroyed? A time lapse has been sped up to show clearly the statue moving around without being touched. Yes. Or it was like desecrated. Now here's a video of it happening.
0: That's crazy. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw it.
1: You want to see it again? Sure. You guys see that again. It happens so
0: quickly. The it's a time lapse. Oh, I yep. I see it turning. On its own. That's nuts. Super
1: crazy. So what ends up happening is they start investigating this because everyone's like, that's fucking haunted. Yeah. We just got video of some haunted shit. For right? real. So scientists... Say that they they like mapped out they like made a bunch of fucking graphs like losers and they <laughs> mapped out the busiest, they did math they did math they mapped out the busiest times of the day and saw that it correlated with the statue moving so they what they believe is that vibrations of like buses and tourists and all this stuff is vibrating things and then making the statue turn right but why then does that statue turn and none of the rest of them turn right right so they say it's because the bottom of the statue is like curved like this mm-hmm. right. And that the rest of the statues are are flat. flat. Okay. Yeah. But I say, what maybe the Egyptians knew that if they put a rounded curve underneath the statue, that it could harness the vibrations of this world and be a vessel
0: for that soul. Also fucking creepy regardless. Yeah. Horrifying. I can just imagine being like a docent at that museum and you're like doing night shift. You're like locking up, and then you look and then the fucking statue is, is facing the wrong way and you're right. like I, I would leave The statue that's literally a vessel for Yeah, this I'm not sticking soul. around to find out. No. So that's my episode. Wow, that was Egyptian excellent. On Egyptian curses. You I you love like, that. Eh. Yes, that was wonderful. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. That was great. Yeah, I mean, I, I really want to know
1: your thoughts. Do you believe in the curse? Do you, like, what do you think... Is it like a combination of fungus and bacteria? Is it like something of this world? Like, oh, a mosquito bite? Or or is it the curse that causes a mosquito to bite you? Is it the curse that causes your house to be burned down? Because like, obviously all of these things that are happening are happening like in real life, like because of science, right? Right. But as the ancient Egyptians believed, Heka was science. Like the fire like started because... Heka, because science, right? Okay. Like you got blood poisoning, which is like a medical fact, but the blood poisoning to the ancient Egyptians would have been caused by Heka, by magic.
0: Magic makes your blood poisoned. Okay. Yeah. I mean, gosh, it's just so crazy. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I th- I think that if you believe in karma, mm-hmm. which to a certain extent I do, yeah. Then I think if you're going, if you're doing something with bad intention, that bad intention could come back to you, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I also think it's a slippery slope to say his house burned down because of because he did something wrong. Because then you have to think about all of the people in the world that have had like misfortune right. befall like them. Bad things happen to good people sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. yes. So I do want to make that clear. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just. It's just crazy. It's just insane that, like, so many people died in such close proximity to opening this tomb.
1: And a lot of it seems to be a direct result of opening the tomb, right? Like, they were there doing this excavation and then he got bit by a mosquito or someone was there right they opened up the tomb something got in their lungs they get uh pneumonia like totally canary was brought because of this um like excavation happening you know and then got eaten by a cobra which was either came in because it was attracted to the canary or someone put it in there because the curse pissed them off right and they didn't want people fucking with stuff so they're like i'm gonna leave a symbol to these foreigners who are like desecrating things that are important to you know whatever for whatever reason or who knows maybe it was another archaeologist who wanted to scare them off yeah like get like i'm pissed that i didn't
0: find this or like get away from my stuff who knows yeah and to your point like regardless of whether or not it's cursed he wouldn't have been bit by that mosquito and gotten blood poisoning if he had just never funded this expedition in the first place right right? so in that sense even if you don't believe in curses and you're listening to this like it only brought him Right. Bad shit. Yeah, he shouldn't have done it in the first place, yeah. right? You can make that argument. It's yeah, nuts, gnarly, crazy.
1: Um, one of the things that skeptics say is that like the curse became kind of popularized. After the after a lot of these events happened and then like journalists and stuff started like being like, is there a curse and putting this together? And then and then it kind of became known as like the cursed tomb or whatever. Um, But what I have to say is that like even back before we could decipher the hieroglyphs, before we had translations for ancient Egyptian um, curses, like there was always just bad vibes about these tombs. Like there were rumors and there were, um, just like passed down through the lore of the area. And just through time, people saying like, bad luck happens to you. If you, uh, like uncover these tombs of these ancient mummies, there's these ancient
0: curses. No, great point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Uh, if something exists in the rumor mill for that long, uh-huh. then you learn how to decipher these hieroglyphs and it says the same thing that the rumors have been saying. Right. Then it doesn't really matter if the newspaper put two and two together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think the newspaper started something that's already written in hieroglyphs. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: like that. That's as silly as saying like, "Oh, well the uh, the ancient Egyptians started the rumor of the curse by writing curses like on yeah, bedtime, right." Like, know? okay,
0: it's like what? What are you even? Yeah, like it's uh, like backwards. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I can't have a conversation with you. No, this is I can't too confusing. even. I can't even have a conversation <laughs> with you if that's what you believe. Yeah, yeah, you're just confusing
1: me, and I don't like
0: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know what you're saying right now. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, what'd you think? I loved it. That was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I like. There's definitely a lot to think about. I'm going to be thinking about this all night and I hope I don't have a nightmare where like King Tut's coming for me because I heard this story. I know. It like really got me
1: thinking about omens and like symbolism and stuff. And that's why I was like, it's weird that I saw that bunny and then I didn't help it. Like, am I cursed now? Like, I tried to help it. Or did I actually just scare it into its death? Like, did he go into someone's backyard and get eaten? You know? Yeah, the
0: butterfly effect.
1: Right? Yeah. The butterfly effect is haunted. Yeah, but I, what I really like about the ancient Egyptians is that they like describe science as magic. Like we don't know why the fucking neurons and the atoms are like doing circles and Jimmy Neutron and shit <laughs> like it just it is like we yeah. can look at it and we can see that it's happening. We can look at chemistry and biology and be like, oh, if you mix this chemical and this chemical, this is the reaction that happens. Or, um, you know, like this is how like a pregnancy goes through or like these animals can mate together and these can't or whatever. We can see like the rules of science, but we don't
0: know why. Right. we can, And we're always allowed, I think we should always be allowed to um, be open to the possibility that science hasn't explained everything yet. Mm-hmm. Just like we learned in our mind matter interaction episode where um, the scientist we interviewed was saying, you know, a lot of the reasons why people don't take some of these things seriously yeah. in the scientific community is because they're saying, well, that's, that sounds too much like magic. Yeah. So like, we're not even going to pay attention to that. And his argument was, Okay, but the thing is, it's happening and it's a fact. So how about we invest money into trying to understand why it's happening instead Mm -hmm. of just being like, well, because I don't understand how it works, it must not be real. Like, no, that that it should be the opposite. Right. Like we should say, oh, wow, I don't understand why this is happening. That's so interesting. Let's keep studying it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
1: And then at night you go home and you get your cauldron out and you get your potions and you curse the people who said that I didn't have the answers to what was happening in the scientific community. They read my journals and they laughed
0: at me and now I will curse them. And that's how life should be. Just curse curse your enemies you heard it here advice from let's get haunted I feel like we missed
1: an opportunity to make our wigs fly like I kept like as I was writing this I was like, okay. we're gonna be wearing wigs and I
0: was like I'm gonna say something and then Allie's gonna be like my just flew. like whipping it around yeah. yeah no my hair is a disaster under here so I will not be doing that but just know that metaphorically my hair uh, Her wig my wig flew yeah. okay yeah yeah well do you want to do our sign off yes um BRB got to go put in my will that you guys need to write some creepy shit on my tombstone to mm-hmm. confuse archaeologists 3300 years from now.
1: Yes, you guys comment what you think that you, they should put on our tombs if you have any ideas. Yeah. Um bye. bye.